informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Thursday, October the 13th, two thousand. And 22, 105 years since the miracle of the sun in front of 70,000 onlookers there at uh, the the, the uh, Fatima miracle on the Kova. Well, that's what the word I was searching for right there, <laughs> the, the Kova. Hey, uh, we're going to maybe talk a little bit about that today. Praise be to God. The miracle of the sun. But also, E.J. Anthony is going to be back on from the Heritage Foundation to talk about the housing market, which is in Big trouble, actually, considering how much of a high that bubble was on earlier this year. Yikes. Uh, We're going to talk to him coming up at 35 past the hour. Hey, lawmakers are requesting information from the FBI. They want to know why it is that seems to be a very lopsided approach in enforcing the FACE Act. Why haven't they come to the rescue of so many Catholic churches, pro-life organizations, and others who have been attacked over the past year and a half or so, and there's been no follow-up whatsoever. We're going to talk about that at 15 past the hour. Hector Molina is going to be on at the top of the next hour, if you can join us, to get you ready for the Sunday Gospel. Praise be to God. We'll be diving into that. Lots of stories in the news. Of course, the Indiana Supreme Court, they are uh, still not allowing that abortion ban to take place there. They're going to have another hearing in, I think it's January So until then, abortions get to keep going. Pray for the souls that are going to be lost during that time. Saudi Arabia has pushed back against the White House, basically making it public that they were being asked to prop everything up until after the midterms. Then they could cut that two million barrels a day of output. Alex Jones was uh, ordered to pay nearly one billion dollars. To the victims of Sandy Hook. I didn't even know. Does he have $1 billion? I, like, my mind is blown. Does he have that kind of cash, that capital? Is that even a possible possibility? I mean, or is he just going to file bankruptcy? I have no idea. Maryland's largest school district is reporting 582% increase in gender nonconforming students. Boy, was there anything like this at all remotely when you and I were in school? No. Times, they are strange. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. And a famous philosopher once said, my mm-hmm. world's on fire, how about yours? <laughs> yeah. He also said, Profound. Only shooting stars break the mold. Is that right? Yeah. Only shooting stars. Hey, now you're a rock star. I am going to write that down. <laughs> hey, now you're a rock star. Get your game on. Get paid. Anyway, good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Do you know that song by heart? Uh, I do. I know it mm-hmm. from Shrek. Mm-hmm. Oh, do yeah. you really? Yeah, <laughs> from Shrek. It's from uh, the the opening of Shrek has that song playing. <laughs> that's where I know it from. You're killing me, Shrek. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's is that like uh, what is that from? You're killing me, Smalls. What is that from? Uh, killing me, Smalls. Uh, that baseball no movie. Oh, uh, yeah. However, yes. Sandlot. Sandlot. That's yeah. One. However, you know, praise be to God. You mentioned Our Lady of Fatima today. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. 150th anniversary. Yeah. Uh, the so this Saturday across America, get connected because uh, the America Needs Fatima is hosting rosary rallies all across America this Saturday. The Saturday closest to the anniversary of Our Lady's app- apparition. Mm-hmm. And if you check out the America Needs Fatima YouTube channel, 
I've been posting videos there on the secret witnesses of Fatima from people who were there, atheists, Catholics, priests, dukes, etc., people who witnessed it themselves. Yeah, actually, I have. Uh, if you're watching on the live video stream today, I'm going to share with you uh, my desktop and show you pictures of the actual newspaper article from that event, which was not a Catholic publication. Uh, you know, so you can actually see the images of these people who are standing there and witnessing something truly miraculous. We'll be talking about that at some point. During the program today, hopefully you can tune in and do share us with a friend. We have a lot to get to today. Going to be talking a little bit about the economy with E.J. Anthony. So do uh, please uh, pray with us and share us. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Thursday, October 13th, and here are your headlines this morning. The Epic Times reports Russia arrests eight people for Crimean Bridge bombing. Russia's Federal Security Service, also known as the FSB, said that it had detained five Russians and three citizens of Ukraine and Armenia in connection with the bombing of a vital bridge to Crimea, an attack it said was masterminded by Ukraine. They say, quote, The organizer of the terrorist attack on the Crimean bridge was the main intelligence directorate of Ministry of Defense of Ukraine, its head, Kirillio Budinov, its employees and agents, unquote, said the FSB, the main successor to the Soviet area KGB. And Ground News reports NATO prepares for nuclear drills. NATO confirmed that it is sticking to plans for an annual nuclear drill, even as the escalating Russia-Ukraine conflict spurs fears of direct and catastrophic confrontation. You've heard uh, us talk about that in the past week or so. The exercise, known as the Steadfast Noon, will be held next week. It typically brings together dozens of aircraft from member nations and practices a nuclear strike mission. Breitbart reports therapist guts sex change operations approved in as few as sessions as possible and says she acts as an ally. Therapists should approve sex change operations in as few sessions as possible and also act as allies, said a clinician who writes referrals to allow people to go to undergo sex changes. The less sessions, the better. I typically do the session in one visit, Sarah Ellie, a mental health clinician and clinical supervisor, said in a presentation. The LifeSite News report, study finds 6 in 10 women who had chemical abortions wanted help or emotional help after. The new study from Pro-Life Support Group for Post-Abortive Women found that most women who had chemical abortions sought or wanted help after killing their pre-born baby. The study comes at a time when the use of chemical or toilet bowl abortions are expected to increase as states restrict so-called surgical abortions and women turn to the internet for abortion drugs. The support after abortion study surveyed more than 14,000 women, including 114 who took abortion drugs such as RU486 to abort their baby and then asked them a series of questions. The researchers then found that 24% searched for help after their abortion experiences, while another 39% didn't seek help but said that they could have benefited from talking to somebody. These findings are marked contrast to studies by Planned Parenthood and other abortion providers that report negative emotional reactions to abortion are r- extremely rare, the group noted. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you.
The saint of the day, well, for one, it's Our Lady of Fatima, 150th anniversary of her apparition of the miracle of the sun. But the saint of the day is Blessed Magdalene Dea Pantaneri. Magdalene was born in Trino near Vercelli in 1443 of deeply religious parents. She was a devout child who made a vow of virginity while she was quite young. Before she was 20 years old, she took her vows as a Dominican tertiary, an exceptional circumstance showing that she, had, she was held in high esteem. The tertiary chapter was made up of principally of widows and older women who centered their apostolate of active charities around the Dominican church. Magdalene fitted into this work with ease as she brought to the chapter a spirit of penance that few of her companions could match. The delightful part of it all was that her penances never rendered her dreary. She was as cheerful, resourceful a person to have around. People drew as much good from her spirit of joy as from any other feature of her spirituality. Magdalene had a special fondness for little children in what we now call babysitting and used her influence with the children to bring their parents to a better way of life. Childless women won her sympathy and several times her prayers brought the blessings of motherhood to such people. She taught catechism to children and gradually the older folk of her acquaintances began to sit in on her classes. She was quite unaware that she had great powers of description and could make the truths of the religion clear to simple people. The Dominican fathers allowed her to use a large room attached to the church for a classroom and the class grew. Not only the parents of the children and the simple folk of the neighborhood, but also a number of priests and religious were attending regularly. Her favorite brother was a good-for-nothing. He was always in trouble. When his conduct had gone beyond the patience of everyone but Magdalene, she threw, herself on her, threw herself on her knees in front of her crucifix, and she stayed there until our Lord assured her that he would take a hand with the black sheep. Quote, I cannot refuse you anything he said. The Dominican fathers received her solitude when they were persecuted by a wealthy man of the town. This person carried his hatred so far that he was finally excommunicated for persecuting the church. There was, of course, a good deal of bloodshed before the affair was over. And one of the reprobate's followers made the mistake of hitting Magdalene and calling her names. Before the irate townspeople could deal out justice to him, God did. The man died a violent death. Magdalene died in 1503 and was beatified by Pope Leo XIII in the 19th century. Blessed Magdalene Dea Pantaneri, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 11, verses 47 through 54. The Lord said, Woe to you! who build the memorials of the prophets whom your fathers killed. Consequently, you bear witness and give consent to the deeds of your ancestors, for they killed them, and you do the building. Therefore the wisdom of God said, I will send to them prophets and apostles. Some of them they will kill and persecute, in order that this generation might be charged with the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who died between the altar and the temple building. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be charged with their blood. Woe to you, scholars of the law! You have taken away the key of knowledge. 
you yourselves do not enter, and you stopped those trying to enter. When Jesus left, the scribes and Pharisees began to act with hostility toward him, and to interrogate him about many things, for they were plotting to catch him at something that he might say. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The applicate suggests that uh, the reason why they're asking all these questions, he says, for when several are questioning a man on different subjects, since he cannot reply to all at once, foolish people think he is doubting. This also was a part of their wicked design against him. But they sought also in another way to control his power of speech, namely by provoking him to say something by which he might be condemned, close quote, the applicant. So, you know, it's a trap, right? They are trying to trap him. What I found interesting in the commentary today was the, the, the debate of sorts amongst scholars and fathers of the church on who Zechariah was. Abel? Abel, we know. He's, his death is recorded in Genesis. But the Zechariah in the Old Testament is not, his death is not recorded in the Old Testament. Some of the fathers of the church speculate that this Zechariah was in fact the father of John the Baptist, Gregory of Nyssa says. But some say that Zacharias, the father of John, by the spirit of prophecy, forecasting the mystery of the immaculate virginity of the mother of God. For this reason, they slew him. It is also said that when they heard the king of the world was about to come, from fear of subjugation, they designedly attacked him who bore witness to his coming and slew the priest in the temple. They point out that uh, when Zacharias goes into the uh, the temple to offer the incense, that that would be between the altar and the temple building. So very, very fascinating. Obviously would have happened after the birth of John, after the birth of Jesus. Very fascinating. The Greek expositor goes on to say, but others give another reason for the destruction of Zacharias. For at the murder of the children, the blessed John was to be slain with the rest of the same age. This is the murder of the innocents under Herod. But Elizabeth, snatching up her son from the midst of the slaughter, sought the desert. And so when Herod's soldiers could not find Elizabeth and the child, they turned their wrath against Zacharias, killing him as he was ministering in the temple. Close quote, Greek expositor. Very, very fascinating. There's so much that more, more could be said about the gospel today, but I find that incredible. Witnessing to the virginity, the immaculate nature of the mother of God. Whew. Right in the very beginning. Hey, don't go anywhere. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. We're often told that so long as sexual activity is performed between consenting adults, there's nothing morally wrong with what's done. Is this a reasonable way of morally evaluating sexual behavior? I don't think so, and here's why. First, such reasoning justifies disturbing acts like that of Ormond Mivis, who butchered and ate a willing victim that responded to an advertisement placed on the Internet. I don't think we want to say consensual cannibalism is okay. Second, the assertion arbitrarily picks consent as the only aspect of nature's design for sex as having any moral significance. If we must reverence nature's design for consensual sex, then why is it okay to not reverence nature's design for procreation? If it's okay to reject one, well, then it's okay to reject the other. So rather than reverencing consensual sex, this argument undermines it. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. 
Men, it's time. Participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th, 11.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. in Boston. There is a man connected to every abortion. Men are a big part of the problem, and it's time for all men to take responsibility and be a big part of the solution. All men of goodwill are invited to participate in the march, and everyone else is needed to show up for the rally beginning at 2 p.m. outside of the State House. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at uh, 35 past this hour, E.J. Antony from the Heritage Foundation is going to be our guest. going to be talking about the economy, really from the housing market perspective, that is just not going in a great direction. Is this uh, the actual evidence for uh, the fact that we're in a recession, which is still being doubted, by the way, we're going to have that conversation with E.J. Antony and how it affects you in your bottom line, especially when you go to the grocery store, the gas pump, all that other stuff. That's coming up at 35 past the hour, so do, do join us if you can. But there are lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. Here's an ongoing story. We've been talking about it uh, for the past couple of weeks, and that is what many Americans feel is an overreach, an abuse of power by the Department of Justice and the FBI. There is an article over at the Catholic News Agency that says lawmakers request information from the FBI about pro-life arrests and indictments. And basically, uh, a group of uh, congressmen and women have gotten together and they sent a letter just yesterday to the FBI Director, Director Christopher Ray. It's more than three dozen Republican lawmakers. I guess no Democrats joined in this. And they all want to know, hey, uh, why does this look like a completely lopsided enforcement of the FACE Act? Uh, do we need to reconsider as a congressional body? Do we need to reconsider whether or not you are capable, responsible enough to enforce this act? Or do we have to change the law to, to ensure that something more fair is happening? Keep this in mind. <clears throat> Here's one. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read this whole article because there's another one I re- want to read to you. Uh, but this is one paragraph from this. It says, CNA has recorded nearly 100 abortion-motivated attacks against churches, pregnancy centers, and other entities in the United States since May the 2nd. Since that May the 2nd leak of the draft opinion showing that the U.S. Supreme Court was about to overturn Roe v. Wade and return the question of abortion uh, back to the states. So, and they have a, a map on their on this article, sort of detailing uh, where all these attacks are. And this is the, the Catholic News Agency. So you can find it there, catholicnewsagency.com. So over 100 attacks, firebombings, the rest, how many arrests have been made? How much activity, how much follow-up has the, uh, the FBI given to these cases and these investigations? For, well, I want to go to another article over at the Daily Signal. The headline says, firebombed Wisconsin pro-life center has not heard from the FBI since May. Let that sink in. The article says, a Wisconsin pro-life organization set ablaze and vandalized with the message, if abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either. Says it has not communicated with the Federal Bureau of Investigation about the horrifying attack since May when the attack originally occurred. 
Wisconsin Family Action, a 501c4 arm of Wisconsin Family Council, said earlier this year that the clinic was attacked by an elitist, or rather, forgive me, the uh, elitist anarchist group, Anarchy 1312, that reportedly threw the two Molotov, Molotov cocktails into the office, broke windows, and firebombed the building early in the morning on Mother's Day. It also graffitied the building with the message, if abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either. The militant abortion group Jane's Revenge claimed responsibility for the attack, calling the firebombing just a warning and promising that more would follow if the pro-life centers do not cease their work. Quote, we demand the disbanding of all anti-choice establishments, fake clinics, and violent anti-choice groups within the next 30 days, close quote. Violent, that's interesting. So firebombing is your, your response to that. Fascinating thought. The attack was so vicious, says the article, that it prompted President Joe Biden's White House to issue a statement condemning such violence. Quote, President Biden strongly condemns this attack with political violence of any stripe, close quote, the White House statement said. The article goes on to say, in quoting uh, this uh, statement, says the president has made clear throughout his time in public life that Americans have the fundamental right to express themselves under the Constitution, whatever their point of view. But the uh, but that expression must be peaceful and free of violence, vandalism or attempts to intimidate. But in spite of the national coverage, the incident received on the ongoing threatening or harassing messages that the center had received it is unclear whether authorities are actively investigating the attack. Wisconsin Family Council and Action President uh, Julianne uh, Appling shared with the Daily Signal that her organization has heard, quote, nothing from the FBI after they left our office the day of the attack on May 8th, close quote. They've heard nothing. Uh, golly gee is they didn't show up to Jane's Revenge with 15 or 20 officers surrounding the place in tactical gear with a battering ram at 7 o'clock in the morning? They didn't do that? Are you kidding me? It seems strange to me. They, they have a trend of doing this these days. Why not Jane's Revenge? Interesting. Especially after they admitted that they are taking responsibility for it. The article goes on to say, quote, when the original investigation was done on the day of, of the attack, May 8th, a representative of the FBI and a representative of the ATF were both there, close quote, she explained. Appling is not sure whether the FBI and ATF took pictures, but presumes that they did since they were behind closed doors all day long. Neither agency immediately responded to the request for comment on the story. Quote, never anything in writing, she added. The FBI called one time to check on a phone number, and that was uh, mid to late May. Crickets since then. Quote, nothing from ATF, she added, noting that it is taking care, uh, noting that it is taking care of the physical evidence. Zero, nothing. In response to a Freedom of Information Act request for communications between the Madison Police Department and the FBI, uh, Justice Department, or any other member of the federal government, the Madison Police Department said that there is an ongoing Madison Police Department uh, and directly related federal investigation that prevents the Daily Signal from receiving such communications. 
The FBI would not confirm to the Daily Signal that it is investigating the attack. Frustrated by authorities' apparent lack of interest in the attack, Wisconsin Family Action had filed its own FOIA request for the Madison Police Department's communications on the attack. Local officials had sparked national backlash with statements responding to the attack that stressed their pro-abortion stances. Uh, Wisconsinites deserve to feel safe no matter their political views, Appling said in a statement when the group sent uh, its FOIA. We certainly don't want to think that there were that there would be any prejudice by any law enforcement agency based on our particular beliefs and values. But not hearing anything from MPD or any other law enforcement agency since early June certainly raises questions. At least 83 Catholic churches and 73 pregnancy resource centers or pro-life organizations have been attacked since the draft opinion was leaked in May, according to the Catholic vote trackers. Some of these pro-life centers and organizations have told the Daily Signal that they have not heard anything from federal authorities. The FBI confirmed this week to the Daily Signal that it is investigating a series of attacks and threats targeting pregnancy resource centers, faith-based organizations, and reproductive health clinics as potential acts of domestic violent extremism, FACE Act, or the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, violations or violent crime matters depending on the facts of each case. Uh, there's only a little bit more, but the bottom line here is there is lopsided justice going down in America right now. Lopsided justice. They show up with uh, with force. Now, admittedly, since the Mark Houck arrest a few weeks back, which we've discussed extensively on the program, since then, they have scaled it back. Okay, the guy that they arrested in Tennessee... There was only, I think, four, maybe five officers that did have tactical gear. They did not have their battering ram this time. So they did scale that back. So they they must have consulted like an optics coach or something about, hey, guys, you know, this is not going over well. Maybe we should, you know, tone that down a bit. And apparently they paid attention. But nonetheless, they're still arresting all the pro-lifers. But over over 100 attacks Two pro-life organizations, pregnancy clinics, as we've just now stated and read to the you to the uh, from these articles, no arrests, no follow-up, no investigation. Clearly, this is lopsided justice. Um, on Tuesday of next week, we're going to be interviewing not one but two FBI agents. These are whistleblowers who have come out at great risk to themselves, their careers, their life. Their livelihood, they have said no more, this far and no further. And they are going to be on our program. I'm very excited to have the conversation. I reached out to one of them, and I, I, I put it very plain and simple. I said, I'm struggling to understand. I don't get it how an FBI agent, someone who wants to serve their country, to, uh, to have uh, you know, a great career, put their skill sets to, to good use, protecting and upholding our Constitution, how they could make such decisions, how they could participate in what seems to be incredibly lopsided politicking. And uh, to my surprise, they responded and said, yeah, I would like to have that conversation. And I'm like, praise be to God. I'm, I'm excited about this. So we're going to have uh, we're going to have them on. There's two of them that, that are going to be on next Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. So you do tune in for that. I'd be very grateful to you if you would uh, 
let your friends and your family know that this is an opportunity to ask these questions to these FBI agents. Because I, 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 when I heard, and I've shared this already now a number of times, but when I heard about the raid on the Mark Houck residence, I thought, if you're the FBI agent and you're participating in that, how do you do that and sleep well at night? I mean, how do you look at the paperwork and go, hmm, let's see here. Okay, no priors, uh-huh, no violent uh, background whatsoever. Yeah, okay, um, he, he shoved a guy a year ago? Uh, one year ago, shoved a guy, local case got thrown out. No medical, you know, the guy wasn't uh, harmed in, in any real si- uh, significant medical way whatsoever. And we are here with how many officers? Like, what? the battering ram is necessary exactly how? Oh and, oh, and by the way, he volunteered himself three months before this moment. How do you still roll up to the door? How do you still get out of the car with your tactical vest on and your M4 and you, uh, you, you pull up perimeter security? What are you exactly afraid of? His seven kids busting out the door with their airsoft guns? It just seems incredibly unreasonable, illogical. Like, reasonable people ask logical questions like, okay, who are we going after? What's the warrant say? What is he? What is his background? Is this a criminal, uh, violent guy? Does he have a history? Uh, what, what's this? Oh, well, this guy seems pretty low key. I wonder if we should just call him and say, hey, we have a warrant for your arrest. Would you, would you come in and see us? I mean, seems very logical to just ask these sort of questions. And some of these whistleblowers are, in fact, asking these questions. They're, they are, in fact, saying, hey, this is this seems lopsided. So I'm very excited to have to have a uh, conversation with them next week. So do tune in f- with that. Hey, coming up after the break, we're going to be talking with uh, E.J. Anthony again from the Heritage Foundation. Boy, this economy is getting better and better by the day, isn't it? There are reports that beef prices are about to skyrocket. Uh, but what about the housing market? You know, they were bidding competition. They were bidding wars over the houses in my neighborhood. Let me just tell you, let you in on a little secret. They aren't worth, the houses aren't worth that in my neighborhood. (laughs) So has that bubble burst and is that a sign of the recession? We're going to have that conversation next. Don't go anywhere, Kevin. Drive time. I'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic view of marriage may be an ideal, but it cannot be a reality. Well, G.K. Chesterton says, It is an ideal in a diseased society. It is a reality in a healthy society. For where it is real, it makes society healthy. We know we cannot make a perfectly healthy society because while we believe in marriage and the church, we also believe in something called the fall of man, which also has an effect on society. But the point is that we believe not just in an ideal, but in something practical. Practical in the sense that we want to make something. We want to create Christian families as opposed to those who are always ready to destroy the family, who give up on the ideal and give in to whatever is easiest at the moment. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, this is Pam Stenzel. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march, and then everyone else show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the need to value and protect every pre-born baby from fertilization. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. Breitbart reports UAE president meets with Vladimir Putin after OPEC's massive production cut. Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed Nahayman, Nahayman, excuse me, president of the United Arab Emirates, met with Russian President Vladimir Putin on Saint, in Saint Petersburg to discuss friendly relations and common interests. One of those common interests was the massive production cut announced last week by the plus grouping of the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, also known as OPEC Plus, which includes Russia. Two months after President Joe Biden pleaded with OPEC leader of Saudi Arabia to increase oil production and bring down prices at the gas pump, the cartel announced one of the biggest reductions in its history, slashing production by over a million barrels per day. Sky News reports first ever Amber Alert issued by NHS over blood supplies as they fall critically low. Blood supplies have fallen critically low, forcing the NHS department that manages donations to declare its first ever Amber Alert status. NHS Blood and Transplant said that overall blood stocks in the health service stood at 3.1 days, but levels of zero or rather O-type blood have fallen to below two days. It aims to hold more than six days of blood in stock. Hospitals have been told to protect their supplies, meaning non-urgent operations requiring blood could be postponed to ensure that they are prioritized for patients who need them the most. And the Epic Times reports election watchdog probes Colorado officer of voter registration to three uh, to 30,000 non-citizens. An election watchdog group is seeking more information about why Colorado sent 30,000 postcards to non-citizens inviting them to register to vote. Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold admitted Monday that her office sent out the notices and called it an error and she was trying to address it. The Public Interest Legal Foundation announced Wednesday that it had made an inspection request to Griswold's office under the National Voter Registration Act for documents specifying how the office filters out non-citizens from reviewing such notices, how the office caught the error, and and listing non-citizens who were sent the postcards. Those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. You know, since January 2021, homeownership affordability has been uh, dropping. It's down 32%. To talk about that right now is E.J. Anthony, Research Fellow with the Heritage Foundation. Good morning to you, E.J. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Praise be to God. It's good to have you back on the program. Thank you for your time today. You've got uh, several articles I'd like to get your comments on, but let's start with the housing one. Um, it kind of blew my mind earlier this spring how housing prices were just skyrocketing. There were bidding wars for houses in my neighborhood, which are not worth it. I mean, way overpriced. <laughs> I was highway robbery, in my opinion, which is making it harder for younger adults to uh, to buy homes and start their families and, and all of that. But your article over at the Heritage Foundation is pointing to a, a the bubble bursting now. What's going on? Well, if you look at the the median home, for example, uh, when Joe Biden was first uh, first took office and you compare that to today, I mean, the, the contrast is just absolutely unbelievable. So not only have home prices increased dramatically, as, as you just pointed out in your own area, but on top of that, now the interest rate on the typical 30 year mortgage has doubled in literally just a few months. And so that combination of higher borrowing costs and a higher principal to begin with has resulted in that same median home costing you about $10,000 more a year in terms of your mortgage payments. Now the house is not is not any bigger, right? It's not a newer house, it's not a, a nicer house. 
It's not in a, a better location, some kind of prime location or anything like that. It's the same median house. It's just a matter of it getting far more expensive. And as you pointed out, it is now far outside the reach of many Americans, especially young people who are trying to get their first home and start a family. We, we have essentially, I hate to say it, but it's true. We have essentially created a permanent renting class in this country. I think there's an intent to have a permanent renting class in this country, which, again, I fear for my oldest son, who's married with three kids. Will he be able to own a home? I don't, I'm not so sure. You point out in your article that the sales of new homes have fallen 39% so far this year, uh, and also the sales of existing homes are also declining here. Uh, uh, new home construction is also falling as well? Yes, absolutely. I mean, just... From, from soup to nuts, the, the housing market is looking very, very sick right now. Prices have essentially run up so high that people just can't afford these homes. And usually what happens in those instances is that home builders then begin to, or I should say the, the home sellers begin to lower their prices, except they can't. And the reason they can't is because the home builders are finding that the materials and the labor are so expensive to build these homes that it is just not profitable to sell them at a lower price. And so what's happening then is home builders are actually just deciding to build fewer homes because they can't sell more profitably. So they have to sell less in order to make a profit. And the consequence of that now is a shrinking supply, which puts further upward pressure on prices. So far from prices stabilizing and getting back to normal levels in a healthy way by markets responding to, to natural incentives, instead, we're setting ourselves up for a, a popping of the bubble, another housing collapse. And what will happen then? That is a great question. Unfortunately, there's a big wild card there, and it's the Federal Reserve. And the Federal Reserve, this Federal Reserve in particular, has proven to be nothing if not unpredictable. So they have at times intervened when they said they wouldn't, and they have at times failed to intervene when they promised they would. So if they do intervene in the housing market and continue to prop up prices, then that basically forestalls the day of judgment so that home prices will stay elevated for longer instead of getting back to, to more realistic valuations. If, however, they decide to just let markets finally work, then we will see another housing bubble popping like we did back in 2007, 8, and 9. And I guess the Fed is also saying that they are going to eventually uh, slow the interest rate hikes, uh, They're gonna, but they're going to keep on track for now and then slow things down a bit in the, I guess, not so distant future. So what do you predict will happen to that interest rate over the next, uh, let's just say six months or a year? Well, again, in, in terms of what this Federal Reserve is going to do, it, it, it seems to be more or less uh, you know, a crapshoot. So just like if you were playing craps at the table, it, it's whatever the dice happens to come up, that particular role, it seems. You know, right before the Federal Reserve gave us the first 75 basis point hike, that means raising interest rates by 0.75 percentage points. Right before that, they promised that that was off the table. And then they proceeded to do it several times in a row. And now it looks like they're going to do it again. So where rates are going to go, sadly, is, is unfortunately at this point, anybody's guess. My best guess is that we're going to continue to see these, these hard and fast rate hikes. And, and by the way, I actually think that this is what we need. This is what we should have had a year and a half ago. And had we done that back then, then we wouldn't need to be so aggressive now to get inflation under control. But you know, sadly, that's where we are.
Okay, so but every time they raise that interest rate by a percentage point, that dramatically affects our interest payments on our national debt. And how many countries are buying our debt anymore? You know, it is going down gradually to the point where the Treasury Secretary is now worried about the liquidity of the Treasury market. In other words, she's worried about finding people to buy these Treasuries at auction. But again, this is what needs to be done. What Paul Volcker did in the early 1980s is he basically went to the Treasury Department and he pulled a punches pilot. He washed his hands of the whole thing and said, you know what, you want to sell these Treasury bonds? You want to finance all of this public spending? Do it yourself. And he's basically stopped buying all those Treasury bonds. So then the only way the Treasury could sell those bonds was to offer them at much higher yields, in other words, much higher rates. And that caused rates across the economy to rise. And yes, that did cause a recession in the early 80s, but it set us up for stable prices for the next basically 20 years. So again, that was the right thing to do. But in terms of the national debt, you're absolutely right that this is this is completely unsustainable, but it has been for a very long time. That unsustainability has just been hidden for years by the Federal Reserve allowing small amounts of inflation year after year into the economy to basically help pay for that debt. And now that's starting to come to an end. Mr. Antony, obviously there are uh, many factors involved in how inflation uh, becomes a uh, you know, it becomes to what it is right now. You explained just that, uh, the aspect of the uh, of the the 80s kind of coming to fruition. Um, but for those people who don't understand why the Fed is raising the interest rates, uh, can you explain a little bit why they do that and how that corrects uh, the inflation? Certainly. So what the Federal Reserve essentially does uh, in order to cause inflation is that it gives, it creates money, really, for the federal government to spend, to finance these massive deficits. And then that money is essentially collected through the hidden tax of inflation. So in other words, if you're wondering where did the government get the trillions upon trillions of dollars that it has spent over the last two years above and beyond what it normally spends, every time you go to the grocery store and you pay twice as much for eggs, or you go to the the gas station and you pay twice as much to fill up your vehicle. That is the hidden tax of inflation. That is how you are paying for all of this unfunded government spending. So now what we've done is we have basically just flooded the market with all these dollars, with all this excess liquidity, and now we have to get rid of it to prevent prices from continuing to increase. So instead of the Fed going to the federal government, like again, like Paul Volcker did, and saying, okay, no more. We're taking the money away from you and you need to get your spending under control. Instead, the Federal Reserve is going to the American people and is taking the money from them. So they're going to hike these interest rates, make borrowing prohibitively expensive for many people, for many businesses. And that's one of the reasons why we will see layoffs and unemployment in the future. Hold that thought. We have to pause there on that good note, I guess. E.J. Anthony is our guest research fellow on economics at the Heritage Foundation, heritage.org. Coming up after the break, I want to ask about student loan debt, recession, all of it. Coming up, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
Hi, this is Father Stephen Imperato. Join us in Boston for the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. Men, we will gather outside to Planned Parenthood to begin the march, and then we're going to meet everyone else for a 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about constitutional personhood to the pre-born and where we need to go from here. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Again, details, mensmarch.com. Join us and spread the word. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 A.D., 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed to a church down the street. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClane. So good to be on with you. Research fellow on economics from the Heritage Foundation, E.J. Anthony, is our guest. We're talking about the economy. Uh, The housing market uh, seems to be, according to uh, your article, uh, uh, a sign of recession. You've got another article over there that I read this morning. It says, nowhere left to hide. Neither White House nor common man can evade recession data. Uh, are they still trying to say we are not yet in a recession, and you think we are? Absolutely, on on, on both accounts. Biden just the the other day in in what was a quasi interview, I, I suppose, with with I think it was CNN, uh, was was telling us that you know not only are are we not in a recession already, but that he doesn't think that we're going to go into a recession, that it is essentially off the table, or if it is a recession, it's going to be mild or, or some such other nonsense. Um, but no, we, we already had a recession. And increasingly, people are no longer asking me, are we going to have a recession? They're asking me, is this going to be a double dip? In other words, we already had the recession in the first half of the year, the economy contracted for the first six months. I mean, that's, that's just a fact. And now we are probably going to see some positive growth in the third quarter. But then after that, all bets are off. Yeah, you point out the GDP uh, as one of these telling issues, but also uh, disposable income is down by 1.5%. Uh, you have, I think you have the GDP down by uh, to 1.1% in the second quarter. Uh, G- uh, sorry, was that GDP you said? Yeah, the total amount of money earned by the nation's people and businesses was revised heavily downward from 1.4% to just 0.1% in the second quarter. Oh, G- so that would be GDI, gross domestic income, right? So one of the talking points that the administration was using uh, to counteract the fact that GDP, how we traditionally measure the economy, was shrinking, they were saying that GDI, gross domestic income, uh, which is theoretically equivalent to GDP, but it you know they fluctuate over time. Uh, they were saying, well, GDP is negative, but GDI is positive, so therefore no recession, right? Well, what happened is that 
over the coming months after the initial reports came out, GDI was revised heavily downward to the point that the average of GDI and GDP, which is considered a supplemental measure of, of the size of the economy, uh, that was revised from positive territory into negative territory. So again, there, there really is no data point left behind which this administration can hide. Even their own cherry-picked data points that they try to use to, to further their own narrative have at this point turned against them. The recession is confirmed, and the best thing we can do, instead of playing these Orwellian word games to try to convince people that everything's fine when it isn't, instead of doing that, what we should be doing is reevaluating our public policies, seeing what works and what doesn't, and trying to move forward from there. I, you were mentioning this in the last segment about the, the real tax that's uh, on the American taxpayers is in the inflation at the grocery store. I saw another article this morning, and uh, it was quoting the Associated Press NORC Center for Public Affairs Research poll that said roughly 46% of people now describe their personal financial situation as poor, up from 37%. I think I saw another poll being quoted about uh, Republicans versus Democrats and how much they consider uh, this inflation issue, a major issue right now, especially going into the midterms. Of course, Republicans and independents were oh, well over 50 percent said this is a big problem. Democrats said it it isn't uh, kind of going back to what you were saying a minute ago about the White House playing word politics. I mean, golly gee whiz, are we really just going to divide down political party lines here? Inflation seems to be a real concern for every American, irregardless. Well, I, I will say that if you look at the, the income distribution of Republican and Republicans and Democrats, I think that's very telling as to why Republicans consider inflation much more painful than Democrats do. So if you look at a Democrat base, right, years ago, what it used to be is essentially a, a straight line on the income distribution, meaning that you had a very high percentage of uh, low income voters were Democrats. And as income went up, the percentage that were Democrats decreased mm. in a relatively straight line. And so it would be the opposite for Republicans. Very few poor people were Republicans. And as people increased in wealth, so they also were more likely to be Republican voters. But today, it's a completely different paradigm. If you look at Republican voters, it's basically this bell curve where there are not many poor Republican voters. The vast majority are middle class. And then there are very few wealthy Republican voters as well. And then if you look at Democrats, it's exactly the opposite. Most of the middle class do not vote Democrat. You have a lot of very wealthy people and a lot of very poor people. Well, who is hurt the most by inflation? The, the middle and working classes, who are hurt the least? Those on public assistance and the very, very wealthy. Why? Because those on public assistance are, are essentially insulated from a lot of these increases because they receive uh, various, not only cash, but in-kind benefits. But if you look at the very, very wealthy, they tend to have assets that inflate very well, right? They tend to have uh, stocks, which although they're not, they're not doing well, very well lately, right? They traditionally do well with inflation. They tend to have other assets that go up as prices go up. Their incomes adjust more frequently to price changes. And so it's not surprising to me that, that Democrat voters say that inflation is less of an issue for them than for Republican voters. Okay. Well, um, I think people are feeling it at, you know, the gas pump, of course, but 
in the grocery store as well. And there are some scary reports about next year's food supply having dramatic impacts on what's going to be available to Americans. You couple that with everything we've been discussing in this, the future can be very scary for a lot of Americans. How are you seeing this financial future uh, when it comes to uh, all of these factors? Uh, not, not in a very good light, unfortunately. Uh, we, we definitely are, are looking at some food security issues uh, in, in the near future, which, which is very scary. And all, it's more so uncomfortable for us here in America, but it is truly scary for people in the third world yeah. where you're looking at the potential for starvation and not simply a higher food bill. I mean, it's one thing for us when when we can't afford things that that we want. It's another thing for other people in again in the third world and even parts of Europe when they won't be able to afford what they need. So, I mean, absolutely, this is very very concerning. But I mean, what did you expect, right? What did you expect when when we decided to shut down all of this American energy? When we decided to pour trillions and trillions of dollars into an economy and, and overheat it and cause inflation, not just here, but, but around the world. I mean, when did we forget that you can't spend, borrow, and print trillions upon trillions of dollars and expect no negative consequences? So I want to transition a little bit to uh, the student loan debt relief program that the uh, Biden administration has been rolling out. I think they've been sued now by five or six different uh, you know groups, one of which was based on uh, what they felt was, uh, you know, basically racism, and that was tossed out, but there's still like five or more still going on. How do you see this student debt uh, relief program factoring into all of this? You know, I, I think the, the I'm, I'm trying to think, I want to say it's the suit out of uh, the state of Missouri. I think that one probably has, has the best chances, and, and I think there's actually very good odds that it's going to get the, the student loan uh, handout that is is going to get struck down nine to zero in, in the oh, wow. Supreme Court. Wow. Uh, I mean, it, it is just so blatantly unconstitutional. Uh, if it actually got passed, though, if I shouldn't say passed because it's not a law, but if, if it actually got rammed through mm-hmm. by this executive action, if it somehow managed to skirt its way through the courts, uh, I, I mean, this is just uh, kerosene on the dumpster fire that that is inflation. That is the Biden policy of inflation, I should say. And again, it is absolutely amazing how so many of the policies of this administration are focused on taking wealth and income away from the middle and working classes and giving it to the Democrat donor class. If you look at literally the only group, this is not an exaggeration, the only demographic group in the latest uh, statistics that have actually seen their real wages increase under Biden. In other words, not just the, the size of their paycheck has grown, but how much they can buy with that paycheck. The only group that has seen that increase, college graduates. And now wow. we're somehow going to give them a handout? I mean, that just makes absolutely no, no sense whatsoever. Wow. Mr. Anthony, you know, that reminds me of uh, foreign policy, and I'm, I'm wondering what your take is on uh, foreign policy. We, we've seen package after package of, uh, of aid for Ukraine and the, the war that's taking place over there against Russia. Uh, how does that factor into the average American? I mean, eventually we're going to be paying that too, right? I'm absolutely. And one of the really frustrating things right now 
is although I'm glad to see the Federal Reserve belatedly allowing interest rates to rise and finally getting its act together, right? You know, better late than never, I suppose. But now we have a Congress and president working at cross purposes to the Fed. Every time Congress and the White House spend more money that we don't have, it's requiring the Federal Reserve to essentially backstop that. And as they continue to fill that liquidity hole, it continues to pump cash into the system. And so that means the Fed needs to raise rates harder and faster in order to try to get inflation under control, which, as we already discussed, causes a tremendous amount of pain for Americans. And the the Ukraine funding is no exception to that. And it's even more frustrating that all of this money is not even being spent on Americans. It's going overseas to, to corrupt Ukrainian oligarchs with zero accountability whatsoever. Yeah, it's interesting. I was listening to an interview with a gentleman who uh, was a former combat vet. He's been running uh, missions in Ukraine, not combat missions, but supplying uh, medical aid or you know first aid kits and whatever and he was talking about how much of that money is not going to what americans intended for it's a lot of waste there and there's no oversight whatsoever we're just handing you know suitcases of cash over and all i can think about in my head right now is the voice of dave ramsey rice and beans beans and rice <laughs> i mean everybody knows that when you are in debt you have to cut spending and increase income it's not rocket science no, absolutely. And what's really amazing is that in the face of continued data month after month showing that these policies are having a negative effect on, on things like inflation, uh, Washington just, just seems completely oblivious to the facts. We're actually, I think in just about a half hour, 45 minutes or so, we're going to get another read on the consumer price index. That'll be for the month of September. Uh, I think the consensus estimate is only like 8.1%. I think it'll be at least 8.2%. And again, Washington is somehow just completely immune to facts, immune to the data. And we continue to throw good money after bad, especially when it comes to things like like Ukraine with with no accountability and no oversight as to where the money is going. Wow. E.J. Anthony, research fellow and uh, regional economics data center for data analysis at the Heritage Foundation heritage.org. Check out his articles there. Very, very insightful. EJ Anthony, God bless you. Thank you for your time today. Thank you very much. All right. Praise be to God. That's going to do it for our number one. If you can join us in the second hour, Hector Molina Jr. is going to be on the program to dive deep into the Sunday Gospel. Plus, we'll have our game show, more opportunities to win prizes, and the after show. Let's talk about Our Lady Fatima. All that coming up in the next hour. You can hang out with us at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Hi, this is Sister Dee Byrne. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march. Everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the urgent need to be actively pro-life and pro-eternal life. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and please spread the word. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the Angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. Hi, this is Carrie Beatley. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 for the march. And everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about how America's abortion king pushed the lie of abortion on the American people. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hi, my name is Presley. And Sarah. We are from St. Teresa Catholic School in Memorial Park, and you're listening to KSHJ AM 1430 Houston. We love our school because our teachers and classes are fun fun and cool. We just wanted to have an episode, you know, since we're going to Halloween, everybody's into scary (laughs) stuff. We just wanted to just give you a little... I mean, don't look now, but next week we're also going to have a conversation with Charlie Rankin about <laughs> massive food shortages around the globe. I mean, I'm not even talking... That's like serious, massive sh- food shortages. And we would like so, to ask the question, mm-hmm. is it true that a pound of ground beef is going to be $80? Yeah, that, I don't know. See, Texas just sold off all of its beef Yikes. because of the drought. And so did a bunch of other states. They all liquidated a ton of their cattle because of the drought. They, could, they were having hard times feeding them. So they all went to market. So that means price, uh, supply and demand, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of supply means a cheaper price. So we should be seeing prices fall is what it seems to me. But this time next year, I think the chickens are going to come home to roost at that point, And there won't be enough cattle to supply us for next year, in which case those prices could skyrocket at that point. No. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It definitely makes sense. Um, and then you couple that I, with I guess all it just, the other. I guess it just, you know, it, it, it's, it sounds absurd to me, but mm-hmm. after our conversation today, mm-hmm. so it's here's the come question from somewhere. If, in fact, those prices do skyrocket, are you going to begin eating bugs? I'm just curious. No, definitely not. <laughs> are you going to go full vegan? Absolutely not. I'm going to go on the potato diet. You know, okay, all kidding aside, um, like, what are we going to do? All kidding aside, you know what probably should be done? I would want you guys to eat me. Home, no. Stop <laughs> it. Stop it. Stop it. All kidding aside. Uh, home gardening. Yeah. You know, grow some food. 
at the house. I tried that last year. I failed miserably. I have to. Reason, a, I got to start again. I just, we're in a tough growing zone. Uh, so don't hold yourself. I went out and bought like all those all these grow bags. Got dirt and fertilizer, and we started a compost. You know, our compost pile was the most successful thing we did. Because <laughs> uh, it, it grew melon. Yeah, it grew a whole ton of melons, like just spontaneously. Oh, like how did that happen? On a completely unrelated yeah. note, I'm just going to start um, buying a bunch of dogs. <clears throat> what? What? A bunch of dogs, like mm-hmm. a bunch of them? You have to yeah. feed them. You know how expensive it is to feed them? I know. Trust me. $50 a bag every couple of weeks, it, it adds up super fast. Yeah, and if you're going to eat them, mm-hmm. which I think that's what you were saying, you mm-hmm. can't feed them that soy stuff that you buy at the store. Because <laughs> you're going to be eating soy. Let's, let's not talk about eating I don't think dogs. I'm going to worry about Just soy kidding. whenever we're starving. <laughs> hey, uh, also, uh, switching to a better topic, uh, today is the 105th anniversary of the miracle at Fatima, October the 13th, 1917, 105 years ago, praise be to God. Um this was an incredible miracle, and Adrian and I were chatting about this off air yesterday a little bit. You know, there are a lot of Marian apparitions. I mean, a ton, right? Our our good friend, uh, every Sherathon always tries to quiz us <laughs> during with these random uh, Marian apparitions because there's so many of them. Praise be to God. But Fatima was different. Fatima is different on a number of levels. The gravitas. Of the messages that were approved by the Holy by the Holy Mother Church, the uh, the miracles, the number of people involved, the implications of those messages on a worldwide scale, all of that makes Fatima pretty unique in Marian apparition. Um, but the, fa- the the October thirteenth miracle of the sun, I think too few people actually. I mean, a lot of Catholics will know about it, of course, but like your neighbor probably doesn't know about it. Seventy thousand people showed up to witness this miracle on October 13th, 1917, pouring, pouring down rain. Right now I'm showing on my desktop some images of the articles that were written right after the event with some original pictures. And you can see everybody there standing there with their uh, umbrellas out, pouring rain. It was mud. This field that was owned by this family was destroyed by all of these people that came out to try to witness this miracle. And uh, part of that miracle was that the rain not only stopped, but the earth was dried by the miracle of the sun. And their clothes clothes, were dried by the miracle of the sun. Now, these articles were not written by solid Catholics. The the article in the newspaper, Oseculo, was uh, an atheist, you know, Freemason outlet, and it recorded this event in great detail. I mean, miles away, people witnessed this miracle of the sun rotating undulating and then come plummeting down towards the earth which everybody thought that they were going to die people were shouting out their sins in confession in hopes that god would forgive them prior to their being consumed by the fire of the sun um miracles happened people had their their uh mobility restored to them their sight restored to them and and many other miracles Seventy thousand people there that day in the covid era and uh how many people even know it ever happened I mean, again, a lot of your Catholic friends probably do, but probably not your neighbors, probably not your coworkers. What an opportunity today to share with them this miracle from 105 years ago and the dramatic impact that Our Lady Fatima's had on the world or should still have because she warned of the second coming of the world war, which consumed 70 million people. But because we knuckleheads didn't pray, fast, and do penance, well, Dolly G. Wiz. 
uh, we had to endure that war. She's warned us that something greater, worse still could come. It's up to us to do something about it. It's up to us to live in a state of grace, to try to evangelize the world, and to um, and to make an actual effort to do penance, rep- acts of reparation for so many grave crimes of blasphemy and other uh, crimes committed against the Immaculate Heart of the Mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not unlike what Gregory of Nyssa was trying to say about Zachariah witnessing to the Immaculate Nature of the Virgin Mother, and might he have been killed for that? Very fascinating. But anyway, uh, so share October thirteenth, nineteen seventeen, the miracle of the sun today with someone in your life. Joining us right now by phone is our good friend Hector Molina. Good morning to you, Hector. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. One hundred five years ago, uh, the the uh, miracle of Fatima. It's kind of a, an important uh, anniversary, don't you think? It absolutely is quite germane, especially to our modern day times. Yeah, praise be to God. I was sharing earlier this week about uh, Our Lady of Revelation in 1947 uh, in uh, the Tre Fontani outside of Rome, uh, appearing to Bruno, and how Pius XII approved that piety right away, and how there were mm-hmm. several miracles of the sun uh, witnessed there by many hundreds of people, including a private one by Pius XII himself. And mm-hmm. uh, and there's a great link between that apparition and Fatima. So very, very fascinating to uh, to live in these times we do. But let's talk about the Sunday Gospel. Uh, coming in the, this weekend, Luke 18, 1 through 8. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, well, Jesus continues on his way to Jerusalem, and he continues to teach a number of different parables that are related to faith. And here he's delivering a parable regarding the importance of persevering in faith and in prayer. And he uses this really interesting uh, image of this unjust judge and this widow, this widow that goes before the judge and um, struggles really to plead her case, and this judge really doesn't want to know anything about it, doesn't want to deal with her, doesn't want to adjudicate her case. But nevertheless, this widow that Jesus describes perseveres against all odds. And I think it's important for us as, as readers and as listeners of God's word to know that, that widows were among the most vulnerable in society. If you were to survey the Old Testament, you see this constant refrain, uh, the Lord describing strangers, orphans, and widows. I like to, you know, seize on the acronym SO, S-O-W, strangers, orphans, and widows. These are the people that the Israelites were charged to take care of, to sow into, to help, and to look after. And the Lord in the Old Testament is very clear that this was not optional, but that they had a sacred duty, a sacred responsibility to care for the stranger, the orphan, and the widow. In fact, in Deuteronomy 27:19, the Lord goes so far as to issue a curse for all those who, quote, pervert justice due to the sojourner, that is the stranger, the fatherless, the orphan, and the widow. And so in this case, you have this unjust judge that is really breaking God's law. He's being unjust. He's being unkind and uncharitable towards this poor widow who really was in dire straits. I mean, for a widow widows oftentimes faced destitution because they lacked really any rights 
and any standing in society. And if they didn't have a, a husband or a male heir, uh, a kinsman to advocate on their behalf and to provide for them, they were often thrown out into the streets. They were rendered destitute. So she's pleading before this judge who wants nothing to do with her, but nevertheless, the point of the parable is that she perseveres against all odds and that finally he just gets sick and tired. He doesn't want to deal with her anymore. He says, you know, I, uh, I can't take this. This woman is just not going away. She's wearing me out by her continual coming. And it's interesting. He declares in the original Greek, lest I get a black eye, lest she punch me in the face. <laughs> in the New American Bible translation you'll hear on Sunday, it says, lest she strike me. And the Greek word literally is a boxing term for being punched under the eye, essentially to get a black eye. And so commentators seize on this to say, well, he was no respecter of persons, and he was not a God-fearer, but ultimately he knew that this did not make him look good because the word of God was clear that justice must be meted out and care must be provided for the widows. And this widow is wearing me out and lest my reputation be damaged and I get a black eye amongst my peers, I'm just going to give her what she wants. And he relents and gives her her due, her justice. And the Lord here is comparing and contrasting. He's saying, listen, if this unjust judge has the wherewithal to do the right thing in the end, how much more will God, who is the just judge, render justice to his little ones, to his chosen ones, from the Greek eklektoi? And this should really give us encouragement because I think anybody listening can identify with what it means to pray and to struggle in prayer because you're facing incredible odds or a difficulty. We've all been there and done that. But this widow, despite all odds, will not give up. She will endure to the point where she apprehends that which she is seeking after. And I think this is a lesson for all of us in the, in the midst of difficult circumstances that you know, we want to give a black eye to the devil. We want to give a black eye to the accuser. We want to give a black eye to the enemy who wants us to be discouraged. And we need to latch on to the promises of our Lord, who says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. You know, kind of uh, ties into the other parable where a guy gets up, goes to his neighbor in the middle of the night. Hey, man, I got some friends coming over. Yeah. I really need some yeah. food. Uh, can Luke you get 11, out of bed yeah. and give me some food, please? And the guy's like, go away, I'm in bed already. But he persists, <laughs> keeps knocking on the door. I should try that sometime. I should knock on my neighbor's door, like, at midnight. I would not advise that, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is you'll, Texas. You'll get the black eye. I'll get more than a black eye. It's Texas. People are packing here. Well, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> but, I mean, how, how bizarre would that be? But nonetheless, so uh, just where's the fine line? we got about a minute left. Where's the fine line in persistence and annoyance to the almighty God in our petitions. No, the Lord is never annoyed. He is delighted when his children come before him with confidence. You know, I, I, I look at my children and, and I've got six of them and I know you have a number of children at home. 
for me, it blows my mind the level of confidence and faith that my kids have in me. And sometimes they ask of us things, right, (laughs) that are beyond our, our control, our power, and our ability, but that just shows the level of, of, of innocent faith and trust. And we need to approach God in the same way, knowing that for him nothing is impossible and that we've got to persevere in that because the more we pray and persevere, the greater our faith becomes. All right. Praise be to God. Hector Molina, thank you for being on with us, giving us some advanced study on the Sunday Gospel. Go to HectorMolina.com to check out his podcast and all what he does. HectorMolina.com. God bless you, Hector. Have a great day. Thank you, Joe. God bless. All right. Praise be to God. Next is the game show, Fear and Trembling. You want to win some prizes? Have some fun? Maybe learn something? Call right now, 877-757-9424. Looking for a, a contestant to play the game at 877-757-9424. The Bible clearly says that Jesus had brothers and sisters, but the Catholic Church teaches that Mary was a perpetual virgin. How can that be? Mark 6, verse 3 says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? Point number one to consider. There is no word for cousin or for nephew or for niece, aunt, uncle in ancient Hebrew or Aramaic. The words that the Jews use in all those instances were brother or sister. An example of this can be seen in Genesis 14, 14, where Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, is called his brother. Another point to consider, would the last thing that Jesus did on earth be to grievously offend his surviving brothers? Right before Jesus dies, John 19 tells us that Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to the apostle John. If Mary had any other sons, this would have been an incredible slap in the face to them that the apostle John was entrusted with the care of their mother. Also, we see from Matthew 27, 55 and 50, that the James and Joseph mentioned in Mark 6 as the brothers of Jesus are actually the sons of another Mary. And one other passage to consider, Acts 1 verses 14 to 15 speaks of a company of about 120 persons that consist of the apostles, the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Now let's see, there were 11 apostles at the time, Jesus' mother makes 12, the women, probably the same three women mentioned at the crucifixion in Matthew 27, but let's say it was maybe a dozen or two, just for argument's sake, that puts us up to 30 or 40 or so. So that leaves the number of Jesus' brothers at about 80 or 90, according to this scripture passage. Do you think Mary had 80 or 90 children? She would have been in perpetual labor. No, Scripture does not contradict the teaching of the Catholic Church about the brothers of Jesus when Scripture is interpreted in proper context. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling, (laughs) the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot, 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas that you're not allowed to tell anyone. But I will tell you, all right? Number one, we like to teach the faith. We look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something, praise be to God, that you didn't know before, right? And then you get to share that with others. 
We like to have a laugh. We like to have a chuckle. And our callers laugh with us. We enjoy that most. And then we give out prizes, which means this is a winner for everybody involved. You could learn. You could laugh. You could win. It's really a winner for all. But here's the kicker. Here's the trick. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me, but we do not ask the caller the questions. So they don't need to know. They may not know any of the correct answers, but could still win the game because instead of asking them, I will ask Rudy and I will ask Adrian. One of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? At that point, every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is the Lujan family. And I just want to say thank you, Lujan family, for providing all of these awesome gifts uh, to give away. Now, October is the month dedicated to the, the Most Holy Rosary. And to promote this incredible devotion, we're giving away a handmade rosary made by the Luhan family. And if you're watching us on our stream, I'm going to present it to the camera so you can see it. It's a beautiful turquoise color with a wonderful centerpiece here of the Immaculate Conception. Fascinating uh, corpus here. Very nice. Well made. And uh, the winner this week is going to take this, this holy rosary and hopefully pray it every single day, just like Our Lady of Fatima, which we're commemorating again today. Uh, like she said, you're going to have to pray this every single day. She requested it, so you ought to do it. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you very much, Luan family, for your generous gift to allow us to give prizes to the audience, and we really appreciate that. Let's go to the phones. Tony, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Praise be to God, Tony. I am alive, and that counts. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. I'm blessed. All right, Tony. Uh, where are you from? Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Wow. Like, is that like on in the, the board? Is that like in the Poconos? <laughs> uh, some, something like that, yeah. Something yeah, pray, like pray for, our, pray for our state. All right. So, describe for our, our dear listeners the mm -hmm. beauty, the majesty mm -hmm. of the fall mm -hmm. colors right now. Oh, Pennsylvania is incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Praise be to yeah, God. It is beautiful. What's uh, fall? What's fall? <laughs> fall? Uh, Tony, where do you go to church? Uh, St. Oscar Romero Parish. Really? In Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania, yes. Wow. All right. Praise That's be to God. Romero. Now, we, I think you're our first Pennsylvania contestant ever on the show. So no pressure, wow. but you are representing. Okay. So hopefully we get through this together. Uh, do you know how this game works? No. Okay. So here's the deal. Uh, to do i heard the introduction okay yeah so i'm going to ask rudy and adrian the questions they're going to give you an answer one will be correct the other will be incorrect tony you will have 15 seconds to make a decision who do you trust more now here's what i can tell you number one rudy is wearing a bow tie today so be very careful <laughs> number two i'm the I only guy you can trust in this whole mess no you don't believe him are, are you ready to play are you ready to play tony yes, but, let's do yes, this okay well, we're going to start with Rudy first, as is our custom, our church-approved tradition. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Now, did you make that bow tie yourself? I did make this bow tie myself. It was my favorite tie. It started fraying, you and I could not just let it die. Destroyed a perfectly good tie? It was not perfectly good. It was frayed and falling apart. I'm afraid not, buddy. Okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me which evangelist was a physician which evangelist was a physician mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. 
I imagine they needed a doctor eventually, right? I mean, okay. they're getting old and aged. Right. And, yeah. Well, thanks be to God, mm-hmm. in his divine providence, it was St. Luke. St. Luke, you said? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I know a doctor. I know uh, Adrian sees a lot of doctors in his life, so maybe he could answer this. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me which evangelist was a physician? I try to avoid doctors as much as possible. Do you really? I With do. apples. I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's a different topic. Yeah. But uh, we actually just talked to this great evangelist. We did? Not that long ago. Really? Just a couple days ago. What? Dr. John Broshowski. Oh, I see. Oh, he, he is, is a doctor. A doctor okay. And he is an evangelist. I see. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Dr. John Bushalski, uh-huh. uh who is also the Fishers of Men Award recipient in our WMET land, mm-hmm. which G-G. is Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. All right. Uh, well, far, far, no cap. Well, Tony from Pennsylvania, you got options here. Uh, Adrian seems to think that the evangelist spoken of in this question that was a physician was Dr. John out of D.C., whereas uh, Rudy's going to go with St. Luke. Who wrote the you know Acts and the Gospel? Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Tony in Pennsylvania. What say you? Rudy is right. It was Saint Luke. You come on, <laughs> Adrian. Ned. Adrian. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. he's an evangelist for something, it's right? True. Yes. He's not the evangelist. Where, where's the lie? But uh, you know, I, I wonder. Was he a general practitioner, Saint Luke, or? Did he specialize? I'm just curious. There was no such thing as mm. like specialties at the Come time. On. So he uh, was a general practitioner. He probably spent a lot of time just helping St. Paul heal from all of his beatings and his nah, stonings. I feel like St. Paul probably just like Sunburn. healed. Okay. And the angel probably came down <laughs> was like, yo, here's the healing, yo. <laughs> is that, I don't, that's how angels I'm not talk. sure. That's how Every they, time I've spoken to an angel, that's what it is. That's no, how I don't think so. Be not <laughs> afraid, yo. St. Luke was the correct answer. Well done, Tony. You didn't fall for that one. Praise be to God. This next one, though, I think you're going to learn something. I really do. Let's see if we can't uh, get to the bottom of it. Adrian, we will start with you. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, in all of your advanced degrees in doctrinology, uh-huh. right. I think you can answer this one. Uh-huh. What is the term for the doctrine that states that every fact or effect in the entire universe is guided or caused entirely by law or necessity. Right. As a doctor of, on doctors, mm-hmm. a, a PhD in doctor. Okay. The term for the doctrine that states that every fact or effect in the universe that is, is guided or caused entirely by law or necessity is yeah. determinism. Uh, that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Determinism. Determinism. Maybe a little too on the nose? I'm not sure. Oh, that's determined. Um, Speaking of noses, uh, Rudy, good morning to you Uh, again. (laughs) Can you tell me what is the term for the doctrine that states that every fact or effect in the universe is guided or caused entirely by law or necessity? What do we call that? Some would say at the speed of science. Really? But, uh, it's also known as the E equals MC squared doctrine. Is that right? It was penned by St. Einstein. Ah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You say that's the E equals MC squared doctrine. That's right. Mm-hmm. Sounds relative to me. Uh, all right, Tony in Pennsylvania. Is it as Rudy says, the E equals MC squared doctrine? Or is it as Adrian says, determinism? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Tony, what say you? Adrian, it is determinism. Whoa. Yeah. 
Clearly, Tony, wise, come on now, beautiful, come intelligent, on. Tony. You're right, <laughs> tall. It, it is determinism, but you broke a, a good driver. golden rule of the show. All these Tony. things. One, Clearly. If one has to admit Adrian is correct, they must do so with deference. They must do no, so with no, humility. No, no. We all know. They we must do so you know, on the slide. It's a well-known fact. Whenever you go with Adrian, you become <laughs> ten times more attractive just by saying Is that written someplace? It's, it's in a study. Trust the science. Mm, trust the science. Trust the science. <laughs> uh, you are right. Determinism is the correct answer. That is the doctrine that states every factor of the uh, universe is guided or caused entirely by law or necessity. So, well done. You're in the cup twice. I think we can get you in there three times. Let's see what happens next, Tony. Uh, we're going to go back to Rudy for this one. Rudy? <sighs> Hardest question we have ever asked anybody on the show. Really? I don't know. Uh, could you list for me the second hierarchy of angels, please? The second hierarchy of angels. Okay, so there's... Uh, Carry the one. All right, so yeah, carry, yeah, the, carry one. the one in there. And then, uh, dominations, virtues, and powers. Dominations, <laughs> virtues, and powers. That's right. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see what uh, Adrian. Now, Adrian, I did read on Twitter that you have advanced degrees in hierarchies and angelic theologies. Well, uh, could you tell me uh, what is the second hierarchy of angels, please? It's interesting. I actually just gave a talk mm -hmm. at Our Lady of Sorrows Parish in Houston. Really? On the angels last night. What? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And I'm going to go with cherubim. Ch cherubim. Cherubim. Gesundheit. Thank you. I'm sorry. What was your answer? Cherubim. Cher oh, it's you know, not like an allergy. Little, little cherub. It's not a, Oh, you know, like the so little cute, baby. Little like babies. The, the baby heads with no okay, bodies. Okay, okay. They don't probably didn't look like that. Okay. But I'm going to cherubim. Cherubim. That's going to be your answer? That's what I'm going to All right, Tony. Uh, Adrian says it's cherubim, whereas Rudy says it's dominations, virtues, and powers. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Tony in Pennsylvania. What Cher say you? No. Cherubim is right. Don't go the other way. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, oh. oh it's awkward. Terrible are the Tony. second choir of angels. I'm sorry. The actual answer is dominations, virtues, and powers. Yeah. Rudy was right there. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, my apologies. Tony, God thought bless you. Thought it went cherubim and then cherubim and then throne. You're correct on that. Yeah. That's, That's the uh, level yeah. of, of choirs versus the three okay. hierarchies. Yeah. This, yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, devil's in the details, as they say. Tony, I'm, but you're in for two. We had fun, Tony. God bless you. Thanks for playing our game today. We really appreciated having you on. God bless you guys, too. Have Thank a you. great day, Tony. I'm going to put you on hold, so don't go anywhere. But that's going to do it for the radio side. First PA caller on the game. That deserves an extra round of applause. Praise be to God. Um, but come to us in the after show. Hang out on the live video feed. We want to chat with you directly. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today is Thursday in the 28th week of Ordinary Time. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. O my soul, praise Him, for He is thy health and salvation. Join the great throng, psaltery, organ, and song. Sounding in glad adoration. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all of the angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Christ eleison. Christ eleison. Kyrie eleison. Let us pray. May your grace, O Lord, we pray, at all times go before us and follow after, and make us always determined to carry out good works. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Reading from the beginning of the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the holy ones who are in Ephesus, and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens, as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blemish before him. In love he destined us for adoption to himself through Jesus Christ, in accord with the favor of his will, for the praise of the glory of his grace that he granted us in the beloved. In Christ we have redemption by his blood, the forgiveness of transgressions 
in accord with the riches of his grace that he lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will in accord with his favor, that he set forth in him as a plan for the fullness of times to sum up all things in Christ in heaven and on earth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord has made known his salvation. The Lord has made known his salvation. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wondrous deeds. His right hand has won victory for him, his holy arm. The Lord has made known his salvation. The Lord has made known has made his salvation known. In the sight of the nations he has revealed his justice. He has remembered his kindness and his faithfulness toward the house of Israel. The Lord has made known his salvation. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation by our God. Sing joyfully to the Lord, all you lands. Break into song, sing praise. The Lord has made known his salvation. Sing praise to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and melodious song. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, sing joyfully before the King, the Lord. The Lord has made known his salvation. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I am the way and the truth and the life, says the Lord. No one comes to the Father except through me. Hallelujah. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. The Lord said, Woe to you who build the memorials of the prophets whom your fathers killed. Consequently, you bear witness and give consent to the deeds of your ancestors. For they killed them and you do the building. Therefore, the wisdom of God said, I will send to them prophets and apostles. Some of them they will kill and persecute, in order that this generation might be charged with the blood of all the prophets, shed since the foundation of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who died between the altar and the temple building. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be charged with their blood. Woe to you, scholars of the law! You have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves did not enter, and you stopped those trying to enter. When Jesus left, the scribes and Pharisees began to act with hostility toward him and to interrogate him about many things, for they were plotting to catch him at something he might say. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This morning's first reading from the beginning of the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians really presents to us kind of a summary of the gospel message, which is to say that the Father in heaven has chosen us in Jesus Christ to become his adopted children kind of is in a way a summary of the message of salvation and really is like a charismatic proclamation 
which contains the heart of the gospel in it. The Father sent the Son so that we might become members of the family of God in the one true Son, Jesus Christ. There's a very beautiful prayer at Mass that you don't get to hear because the priest says it inaudibly, but it's when he mingles together the one drop of water into the chalice of wine at the offertory. And the marvelous little prayer he says at that point is, through the mingling of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. See, the wine represents Jesus and the drop of water represents us. And when that drop of water goes into the chalice, what do you think happens to it? It gets immersed, it gets lost, it gets totally consumed into the wine, which is really an image of what happens in the Christian life in baptism or what's intended to happen. We're baptized into the life of Jesus, we become grafted onto him or incorporated into him, and an exchange is supposed to take place. We give up our life in order to live his life, and his life is always better than anything that we could ever come up with. And this is really that whole notion of divine adoption that St. Paul speaks about. The Father sent the Son so that we might become members of the family of God as his adopted children, in order to share an inheritance with our Heavenly Father. The concept of adoption at this time of St. Paul is a little bit different than what we would envision it being today. Because at the time of Paul in the ancient Roman world, even adults would sometimes look to be adopted into new families. And the reason was your status in society was dependent upon who your father was and what his standing or class was. So if you could manage to convince a benevolent father who was of a higher standing to adopt you into your family, well, guess what would happen? You would take a leap up in status yourself. Now you can imagine for us being adopted into the family of our eternal father who is infinite, perfect, divine. Well, never before has a greater quantum leap in status taken place than us being adopted into the family of God. As much as we love our human families and are attached to them rightly so, the fact of the matter is in being adopted into the family of God, our dignity kind of shoots up to an unforeseen level because now we can truly say that God is our Father, a gift given to us in Jesus Christ. The second effect or consequence of adoption in the time of St. Paul was that all of your debts would be canceled out that you had previously incurred from your old family. And this too in the notion of baptism we see very clearly when you are baptized you are freed from all sin, you are set free and redeemed to pursue your new relationship with the Heavenly Father. And thirdly of course when you're adopted into a new family you have, you are entitled to an inheritance. And of course, the inheritance that our Heavenly Father offers to us as his adopted children, it isn't of silver and gold or of a marvelous new house and things of this world, but rather it is a life of perfect communion and love with the Most Holy Trinity, a life of eternal joy and communion with the Most Holy Trinity. And so, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward today, let us ask God for the grace that we would always find the source of our dignity and value, not in the things that we can do or the possessions we have, but rather in the relationship we have with God our Father, that he's called us his children, he's made us members 
of his family, that this is the greatest gift that anyone could ever have bestowed on us. It's a gift that we have received in Christ Jesus, to whom we have been grafted on so that we could share in his filial relationship with the Eternal Father, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for his physical and spiritual needs. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all bishops and government leaders, that they would be guided by the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit in their decisions. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith and experience the healing touch of Jesus Christ. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our family, friends, benefactors, for those who have asked for our prayers, for those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media, and for all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for an increase in vocations to the sacred priesthood and religious life. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray in thanksgiving for the great gift that God has given us in calling us to be members of his family. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that behold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. the giver of all life, whose ways are ever just. Your people lift their hearts to you in praise and prayer and trust. Protect the lives of those unborn, let laws reflect your will. Give us your strength to work for life, that man may cease to kill. Help us to know your will for us, give courage for the fight. Dismiss our doubts, renew our hearts, to struggle for the right. O Mother of the Crucified, who bore the Lord of life, for every mother intercede, be with us in our strife. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name for our good and the good of all his holy church. Accept, O Lord, the prayers of your faithful with the sacrificial offerings, that through these acts of devotedness we may pass over to the glory of heaven through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. 
It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for just as through your beloved Son you created the human race, so also through him with great goodness you formed it anew. And so it is right that all your creatures serve you, all the redeemed praise you, and all your saints with one heart bless you. Therefore, we too extol you with all the angels, as in joyful celebration we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenisum Celi et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. For this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to a second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim, by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we, who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, 
especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant, Francis our Pope, and Michael our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Preceptis salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, Audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pace.
Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, Lord I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come to me, but speak the word of comfort, my spirit healed shall be, and humbly I'll receive thee, the bridegroom of my soul. No more by sin to grieve thee, or fly thy sweet control. Eternal Holy Spirit, unworthy though I be, prepare me to receive him and trust the word to me. Increase my faith, dear Jesus, in thy real presence here, and make me feel most deeply that thou to me art near. My hope in Thee now strengthen, O Savior of my soul. Lest by temptation blinded, I turn from my true goal. Let us pray. We entreat Your Majesty most humbly, O Lord, that as you feed us with the nourishment which comes from the most holy body and blood of your Son, so you may make us sharers of his divine nature, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our Lady of the most holy trinity most holy immaculate virgin mary you are the mother of god himself you are the queen of all creation 
You are the keeper of heaven's treasure. You are our help and protection. Grant us your intercession. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, my name is John Henry from St. John 